1: I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in a rainy uh, world man commander here. It's, uh, rain coming down horizontally, as a matter of fact. Not vertically. Uh, not even close to vertically. So... Uh, Hopefully you've had your geometry, you know, vertical and horizontal. So anyway, uh, if not, it's uh, slanted severely. Let's put it that way. And uh, we want to, in the, inside the Bell & Law studio, as you know, our, our big sponsor here has uh, got 50 years of experience in full legal service and, uh, of course, protected by crime prevention 24-7, 365. Now, uh, Ted's on with us, and we just had a compact, and we talked to production. Should we lose power at Windy Hill, we'll be backed up right away by a generator, but perhaps the internet will go down and we'll have to reboot. uh, And and then Ted will just keep right on going or vice versa. So for long as we both don't go down once and all that, and production doesn't go down, we'll be okay. But right now uh, we seem to be broadcasting fine for you. Uh, Ted, before we came on, said that the water is rising near his place. So um, we'll have him talk about that in a moment. And, uh, Ted was due to be on yesterday, as you know, on a regular Wednesday, but he was en route uh, to D.C. And we decided we would uh, have a discussion about the national results of the election today. So you're welcome to chime in on that on chat line. I watch it. Uh, We covered very thoroughly yesterday the amazing victory of single member districts in this Democrat county. Uh, Stafford Jones was on for an hour to talk about that, cleared up a lot of misunderstanding about where we go from here. And it'll take about four years for that system to settle in thoroughly. Um, right now, it won't have any effect because the current commissioners are elected under the old system. But when the two commissioners come up in a couple of years, uh, they'll be under the new system. And only those in their district will vote for them. So it's starting to be a change and it's going to be around for a while. And it's a myth that it will guarantee or increase Republican commissioners. It, not necessarily, but it will re, uh, increase uh, Probably the negotiations uh, between and among the commissioners because a commissioner, one district wants something, he's going to have to or she's going to have to do, reach across the district line, so to speak, and um, negotiate with maybe another one. And that should be the way, probably, democracy should work uh, rather than the polarization and the isolation and the domination by parties of extremists in the parties, which has been the case up till now. And perhaps it will continue to be the case, uh, progressive dominate, progressive dominating a Democrat party. Now, Oddly enough, uh, the entity dominating the Republican Party is Trump. And we've had a lot of analysis of that. And Ted and I seem to see that the same way. And he hears things from his uh, connections. So we'll discuss that with you. So, uh, Ted, welcome to the show today. Hope you had a smooth trip yesterday.
0: I did. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. And, you know, I was heading to the airport. Uh, My plane took off at about seven o'clock and I got about halfway there and it was blowing. And I'm like, you know, I may can get up to D.C. Uh Oh, get back. So I I canceled my uh, my trips, my trip. And I had my meetings over Zoom and they went very well. Um, Yeah. But I'm over here at the river right now. The river is rising and water's coming up. And uh, Wow. Um, I was out mitigating that right before the show because I could see where it, would flood, where it flooded our place last time. And I'm hoping to prevent that this time.
1: Well, I think you heard the story that um, James Dickey asked me one time. That James Dickey is the guy who wrote Deliverance and the, uh, right. the book and the movie. And he said he asked me what the most frightening natural disaster was. and I got the answer wrong. Nobody ever asked me that question before. He said he thought it was rising water can't get away from it. <laughs> yeah, you cannot get away from it. and You can't control it. An earthquake goes away. Everything else goes away. But that rising water, it can just keep right on rising. So uh, if you float away, if that chair you're in floats away, we'll we'll, we'll hope you. I know you can swim. <laughs> and by the way, I apologize, listeners, for my squeaky chair. I have had it upside down, and I put the WD on it and everything else. And so if I squeak, I apologize. I'm trying to fix it. I don't quite know how to get to the place where it's squeaking. So uh, here we are. But um, let's let's, let's start off with your take on, uh, you know, what we just went through, Ted.
0: On the elections? Yeah. uh, It was definitely disappointing. You know, um, we've been told by the Republican leadership and that sentiment from the the pollsters, the Republican leadership, the newscast, this is going to be a huge tsunami, bigger than we've ever seen before. And it was a big disappointment. And I think what comes out of that is this country is so divided. And if you look at the exit polls, when they start talking about the independents, how the independents have pulled away from the Republican Party also. And, you know, um, it may be time for another party to come out. Um, You know, it's in our form of government, a constitutional republic that uses a democratic process of voting. Um, And thank God the founders were smart enough to put the Electoral College in there to protect us. Um, you know, it may be time to have another party in there. Um, uh, You know, if you look at historical of the two-party system and then compare that to where we are with our debt, with our open borders, with all the other things, inflation, high gas prices, no energy security, uh, it tells me that the people that have been in charge and I was there for eight years, don't know what the heck they're doing. And we've got to change something. We can't go on this way.
1: Well, I got a confession to make. I voted for Ross Perot. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> I mean the guy made sense and uh but you know, it's really, as you know, very tough uh to start a party uh because of all the apparatus it takes to raise money and uh you know create the loyalty and the bases and all that business. Um uh, it's I don't know. It's I know what you're saying and I did vote for Perot and um uh, but and once upon a time, the liberals had their Green Party, and uh, that didn't go anywhere. Um, I've got some analysis here. I know you study these things the way I do. And uh, maybe we can have a conversation about this. true. Uh, this is um, an analysis in the journal that is no question, but what the uh, Republicans are dismayed. And um, here's the issue that seems to be kind of... Uh, un- um, disappointing they failed to win most of the toss-up house races um yep. what do you have to say you were in the house what do you what do you what do you make of
0: that well again i think they overplayed their hand um i know a lot of the representatives they think they're they're uh, securing their district by flying all over the nation doing fundraisers for other people and holding rallies for other people instead of working their district and you know people say how much money it costs to run a uh, congressional race and i know that you have to have some money i mean we knew that but i think the important thing is you need to be there with the people in your district relating to them find out what's wrong and if you do that i think you're going to get re-elected i mean we were fortunate we got reelected four times and uh we didn't make we didn't raise a lot of money my emphasis wasn't on that so i think that's one thing the other thing is again kevin mccarthy with people like uh, marjorie taylor green who won but like lauren bobart who has been kind of a pain in the side to Kevin McCarthy, they bowed out of those races. They bowed out of David uh, Schweikertz in Arizona in District 1, I think it is. And he's got a very, very tight race. Um, He had some ethics charges against him. And I've been up there and watched that that circus there because there's two ethics committees. One was put in by Pelosi, which is just a political hack job. Um, And so that was in the news. Um, But I think, again, the American people are... fed up with the gridlock in Washington. And they're sending a strong message to their congressional representatives. I mean, you look at Sean Maloney, who was a Democrat up in New York. He came in with me and head of the DCCC. He lost his race. And then you look at Tim Ryan, who voted against Nancy Pelosi. He lost his race. And I'm glad he did. I'm glad both of them lost. Um, but it, it, it shows you that on both sides of the aisle, the voters are fed up with the, the, the rhetoric with no action and no results.
1: Yeah, by the way, my lights just flickered. So if we go down, you keep talking. you got the show until I can get back on. Yes. Right. Um, um Yeah. Another thing is scary. <laughs> no, you got it, brother. I'm um, surprised at this. Now, this is out of the journal analysis. But I think it makes sense, and, and because I don't think it's a major issue uh, affecting the country, but the Democrats played it really well, and the Republicans didn't have an answer, and that's abortion, uh, most notably in Michigan. Um, they didn't, they didn't modify their 1931 law. Uh, many of right. the anti-abortion candidates won. For me, it's not a you know you know take it back to the states. It's not a national issue. That's the Constitution. That's what we said. But that wasn't the way it played out. And uh, that was one thing that seemed to hurt the GOP.
0: Well, look at the game plan here. you got to go back to when that leak came out of the Supreme Court. Had that leak not come out, would that been an issue in this race? And I agree with you. It shouldn't be a national debate on abortion. That should be a state's rights issue. And people like you and me face it: we're never going to have an abortion, you know, 50% 50% of the population are men, and they're not going to have an abortion. And we know where babies come from, and I think we should put the emphasis on that and plan, parent, plan, plan parenting and raising a family, um, not plan parenthood, because <laughs> that's a misnomer, um, but on raising a family and go back to the responsibility. We know how these things happen, and there are exceptions. I mean, when you have an ectopic pregnancy – you know where the mother has a high probability of dying. You know, I, I think an abortion should happen in that, and we should have those discussions on those kind of things. I believe life begins at conception. I mean, I'm, I'm very strong and very anti-abortion, but if I have an if I'm a woman and I have an ectopic pregnancy, I don't want you to tell me I can't get that medical procedure done to save my life uh, because the baby it'll be unviable anyways. And, you know, we've we've made this such a political football that it divides a nation on an issue that probably 90 percent of Americans will never have to face. I don't know what percentage of women have abortions. Um, I used to know that figure. But, you know, to be the national debate that decides who wins an election, a republic, what party wins an election, uh, when we have so many other things that this nation should be facing us that are really existential threats, um, I think we've got we've got to put our priorities in a different uh, scale.
1: And we've got to talk about the, we've been talking about this off camera and some other people have been talking about it. Of course, it's a big observation that the largest failure uh, was that apparently there were too many candidates that were supported by Trump. And, you know, we have to admit that the influence of Trump is more of a negative now than ever could be a positive. I don't think it can be re uh, reestablished as a positive. Um, the, the uh, uh, Pennsylvania was a catastrophe. Um, Colorado had a, a maga star. They, 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 made it lose. Uh, uh, so, and then of course uh, the capstone on this was, and I don't even know, we talked about this the other day, I don't remember the saddest ever saying he was running for president. I've never heard him say it, unless I missed it. I've
0: never heard Ron say that either.
1: Yeah, I've never heard him say it. Chris I said mean, it. You know, Chris said yeah. it. Now Trump is concerned about it, and then he goes and attacks a guy who has turned the entire state. And I've got I've got an article about that. I I, I, I ran into that. Um, I didn't know if you uh, let's see uh, knew that or not. How long it's been since. We had a uh, a, uh, a guy do that to this this state of Florida, and uh, let me let me see if I can find it. I should have had it right here, but it, you have to go wait. Yeah, you have to go That's back. Right. Listen, Ted, when was the last time a Republican governor in Florida won in a bigger landslide than DeSantis? You have to go all the way back to eighteen sixty eight, when Harrison Reed captured fifty nine percent of the votes to thirty two percent for his Democratic. Challenger during Reconstruction, and there were only 20,000 Floridians in those
0: days. (laughs) Wow. Isn't that something? You know, and, and for Trump to attack him, but before we go into the Trump attacking him, go pre election. Trump was the darling because he was endorsing all these people that were in the prime or in the general election. Now that a lot of those lost, now he's the bad guy. So people are so fickle. You know, but I agree with you. I think his his he's crested, and his influence is going to start to wane. And I think you'll see more of this, especially if he goes on the attack of people like DeSantis or Rubio. And and um, when you look at what happened in Florida, think of how long Ron DeSantis has been there—right at four years. We went through COVID. We went through the inflation. we were having the might immigration crisis, even in the Keys, with all these. People coming in from Haiti and Cuba and elsewhere, Venezuela. Ron took a stance that was so unpopular with the nation, with the the, the wokeism. You know, when he went after Disney, when he went after the COVID, we're not going to mask, we're not going to close down schools. Look at the influx of people that moved to Florida because of his policies. The people that came in, and a lot of those switch parties. And if you look at the Republican registration in Florida it is up i forget what the number is is it 1.8 million or 180 million above what it used to be and that's got to be credited a lot to Ron DeSantis and the leadership of the house and the senate in florida and it it, it trickles down to the to the uh local elections as you said with single uh single voter um, no, districts, districts. Yeah. with with those kind of changes going on it is a grassroots movement uh, a lot of that can be credited to to DeSantis and the supporters and that movement of people saying we're had enough of big government. We want it in our local control. And so I think you're going to see this continue. I think Ron is going to have a uh, he's going to be riding the crest of a wave for a long time. And uh, his leadership that he's showing, um, I'm real happy with him. I'm proud that he's our governor.
1: According to a St. Petersburg writer, Dave Samara, Republicans on the voter rolls now in the state of Florida outnumber the Democrats by three hundred thousand on just right at three hundred thousand right man what a quantum shift with everywhere except uh, four or five counties one of which of course <laughs> is lot where it's so uh, they don't live in the real world but uh, <laughs> but uh, you can't I don't know you can't what is that uh, you can't fix what they, what's that saying you can't fix stupid or something like that uh.
0: you can't fix stupid
1: yeah but uh, this is interesting t-, t no Florida newspaper with a significant readership endorsed DeSantis. And the national media excoriated him. Uh, the Miami Herald, which he took over Dade County and made it red, <laughs> called him Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, 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 Florida is a place of meanness. Uh, they went on to write "It DeSantis' muzzled dissent, personal, muzzled descent. Uh, personal, <laughs> uh, uh, muzzled descent. <laughs> uh, winning is more important than unity. Um, especially the victory moves you closer to the White House, and again, they're trying to put him in the White House. Um, yeah, Post-manufactured culture war drama to govern. Um, you yeah. know, it, where did the press come from? I'm, I don't know when they went off the rails. I, well, you know, they're
0: trying to get this narrative out there. You know, it's like the, the 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 don't say gay bill. The press came out with that, and the Democrats and the operatives. It had nothing to do with that. I mean, it's so ridiculous. And, and Ron's just got to be laughing because he's just staying focused. He's very disciplined on what he's doing. And I'm higher on Ron DeSantis now than I've ever been. Uh, you know, I just I, I think they're going to make a great first couple. And like you said, I've never heard him say we're running for president. He's never said that. His actions may say that, but he's not said that.
1: Well, the building industry loves him because trying to find a contractor or a roofer or somebody who's not overwhelmed, I mean, yeah. my golly, he's increased people coming down here wanting to get the heck out of New York and all these places. Um, and you know, the that press guy, also okay,
0: riverfront property right here. I might sell.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's um uh, and remember how he barely became the the governor.
0: That was a scary race. And, and again, you look at what's happened since then and it's a testament to his administration and, um, You know, he couldn't have done it without a great Florida legislature like Chuck Clements and Keith Perry and those people that we know and work with all the time that supported his uh, incentives and initiatives. In Miami-Dade in
1: 2018, he got 39% of the vote. This time he got 55% of the vote. In Palm (laughs) Beach, uh, yeah, he got 51% this year compared with 41% in 2018. The political percentages, that's pretty significant.
0: Oh, that's that's uh, those are huge numbers. And the funny thing is, is the Miami Herald didn't endorse him. They endorsed Charlie Crist. Yeah. Chris is the only candidate, as you know, that has been in three different parties for governor and has lost every time. Oh, yeah. So, the moral of the story, if the Miami Herald wants to endorse a candidate, run. <laughs> Tell them mm-hmm. you don't want the endorsement. Uh, What a joke that is. And, of course, they're a a vassal publication of the New York Times and the Washington Post. Um, They're all the same. And it's that agenda. And, I mean, if that's not so evident to everybody, you know, I don't know what would be. I mean, just throw that garbage out. And, and again, you've heard me say this, uh, quote of Mark Twain's, for those that don't read the paper are often uninformed. those that read it are misinformed. And I, that's a perfect example right there. It's it amazing, five, and of course he's
1: come. He's come out, and he's and then the the, the, the article here says it. He and I've heard him say it. Florida is a state where woke
0: goes to die. That's right, no, I heard him say that the <laughs> other day, and that was great. You know, that was a to me that was a presidential speech that he gave because he had a vision of where we're going and what we're going to fight against, and. um I would forgive him if he announced that he was running for president. And I'm sure that would happen within a year's time. And then we have to worry about the next governor for this state. (laughs) Oh boy.
1: (laughs) This is something else. It was a first I'm just reading around here. A first on CNN, a panel of seven commentators had nothing but positive things to say about DeSantis. And, um, and uh, all agreed that the Republican leaders, this is CNN, should urge him to run for president in 2024. Yeah. <laughs> That's on CNN.
0: No, uh, I, I heard that. And uh, again, I think the, hung- well, the country is always hungry for strong leadership. And we just haven't had that. We had that under Trump. I mean, the things he did and the accomplishments he made, I mean, they were incredible for the nation, for future generations, you know, and um if we could have removed the circus from him but it wasn't all his fault the the democratic party and the media oh yeah the elites attacked him when he announced he was running for president so he was put into a corner from day one and i can understand why he fought back and he is a fighter and i was proud of what he did
1: yeah you know one of the oddest places to look at is uh, this fetterman out of Pennsylvania
0: huh? Who in their right mind would vote for that guy? I have no idea. I read so much about that guy, and I'm like, there's no way this guy can win. Uh, When you look at his history, uh, um, there's rumors that he's a trust fund baby, and he's worked social programs all of his life, and he's lived off of those all of his life, and he's made a profit off of those all of his life. And um, he married a woman that came here illegally, and he knew she was illegal at the time. And he was a city councilman. And um, you know, I don't want to get into that. Other than if you know somebody's illegal, is that who you would pick for a mate? I don't know. Love is kind of funny sometimes.
1: Um, it's just- well, he is. He has a lefty record. Is uh, uh, on Medicare for all. He wanted He wanted Medicare for all. He wanted a ban on fracking. Uh, it's bewildering. Yeah. It's bewildering. Now, and, well,
0: uh, you, and, you know, the here it is. Get the government, you deserve not the one you want, and Pennsylvania deserves him.
1: And of course, we know that uh, this Georgia race is so in it, it, something. And, and uh, we're going to have a runoff. is less than 1% separating those guys. Yeah. Um, any comments or thoughts? And, you know, I don't know if anybody, you don't have a crystal ball. I'm not putting you on the spot, but no. at least we got Stacy. What's her name? Out of the picture, I think. I think. I tell you
0: what, her and Val Demings, that was a good thing for America to remove those two off the ballot. Um, they just had a very angry political agenda. And uh, Warnick and Herschel, you know, it's going to come to the runoff is in 1st of December, isn't it? They're going to have a, a, a runoff. I think, and, I don't know the date, so. I think I'll it's 1st to- December. You and, you know, I just hope Americans look at Get rid of the negative advertising. I mean, because I heard Herschel Walker, all this nasty stuff about him. And I was up in Georgia in our cabin up there. And I heard all this nasty stuff about um, Warnick. So let's throw all that out and let's focus on their issues and their beliefs moving forward. I can't change the past. um, And I hope the Georgia voters will realize that and pick the person that is going to be best for a program for them for today. but. Who's going to do the best for the survival of this nation for generations to come? Uh, Getting our debt under control, getting our borders secure like they should be, and then focus on national security and get inflation under control and energy security. Our viewer in Atlanta says December 6th for a Georgia runoff. What I thought it was December 6th. And that's not too far off, really. No, that's going to come a week after, two weeks after Thanksgiving. Um,
1: it is uh, more than passing strange, though, that the Fetterman guy was, um, you know, around to even be in the runoff. But there it is. I don't wish you a will on the man, but it just seemed that um, uh, it's such an odd. Pennsylvania, I don't, it seems to be an odd place, but there it is, you know.
0: Um, well, you were talking about Deliverance a little bit earlier.
1: Yeah, okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You think somebody there plays the banjo?
0: <laughs> Fetterman might have fit into that movie. I don't know. Oh my God! That was a bad thing to say. I shouldn't have said that. Oh, shame I, on you! No, yeah,
1: shame the, on. I do not want you throwing off the radio. <laughs> no, you didn't say the beep word, so you're okay. Um, so, um, and everybody's pretty much accepted now. What this race has done is kind of an odd thing. Everybody wants the beep to go away. You know, it's who cares anymore? It's now become a, a liability to even think about it or talk about it.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, You know, and the Republicans, they'll have the majority of the House. Uh, And again, I think we talked about this last time, you know, spend some time on doing those investigations, but don't waste the American taxpayers' time and money if you're not going to follow through with the conclusion of um, what you find in those hearings. You know, if somebody needs to go to jail, send them to jail or send them to the attorney general to go to jail. And if he doesn't do it, then hold him up on charges. Um, and and remember the power they have. You can impeach these people.
1: Well, with uh, Ted Yoho, who was in Washington for eight years, one of our great representatives, and term limited himself, I don't know if I'll ever forgive you for that, but anyway, maybe he's got better sense than the rest of us, but uh, um, we're going to take a little break in a moment. I just uh, want to make an announcement again that uh, we're getting quite a bit of wind chatter out here right now. It's picked up here. So if we go down on the power, we will reboot on the internet if it goes down because we'll kick right onto a generator. So I don't know if we'll lose uh, the, uh, but if we do, and Ted's there and the water hasn't washed him away, he'll just stay on and be running the show. So uh, and production is another variable. I guess their power could go down too, but uh, they claim they're high and dry right now. And um, it's not so much the uh, where you are; it's all down wherever the lines are that get affected that you you may not know where the power goes down because it may be, you know, considerable distance from where you are. But, um, we want to give a shout out to, and I were talking about it to all people who are linemen now and all the electrical, uh, people who provide you with this assumption that we'll always have, be able to turn the lights on and they'll work. So, um, these guys go out in the bad weather. Um, they're tough dudes. They, uh, I know a lot of them personally. And, uh, um, they're just, they're just good guys, and they, they keep it working. So uh, we're going to take a little break here in a couple of minutes, and if you have an issue you want us to talk about, I'm looking at chat line. Uh, thank Ken Hillier for December 6th for the Georgia runoff. And um, we, uh, of course, are still recovering from the, a huge victory here in Alachua County and putting single-member districts in, which you won't really feel the difference in if you're in Alachua County. Uh, And for two years from now, when those two candidates coming up, uh, I think Chuck Chestnut's one. I've forgotten exactly right now who the other is. um, They'll have to go and be uh, voted on by their district. So that'll be about four years coming around before it's fully installed and you'll feel the effects. And uh, you'll have representation closer to the person you know. And it should knock back the amount of money it takes to raise to become a candidate. You know, the county commission still is regarded, oddly enough, as you know, Ted, as a part-time job. And these guys make a fortune. And it's based on population. Right now, I think the county commission nur in a lot of taking in about 85 grand a year uh, for a part-time job. So don't ever listen to the excuse that you are overworked or this or that. I mean, they get it going, and that's, that's a pretty nice little gravy train. And a lot of them are already tired to have something they're doing on the side already. So, you know, it's a way to – and God knows how it works in Congress. Well, maybe ask Ted – I had an article I ran across the other day, Ted, um, that how many guys on the staff level in Congress had gotten wealthy hanging around the Howard Halls there.
0: Huh? Yeah, um, they're limited on how much they can make, but there's some – the Congressmen make one hundred and seventy four thousand a year. They pay into their own retirement. The government matches that, and um, the staff can make up to I'm want to say one hundred and forty or one hundred and sixty thousand that work for a congressional representative. Um, I don't know what it is on the Senate side. I think it's a little bit different. It may be the same on the Senate side, but the agencies, as we were talking about before, the Department of Energy's got over sixteen thousand employees, and the average income is one hundred and twenty four thousand a year. And they get every known holiday off the known demand, man. And uh, they get snow days off. If there's a flake of snow that falls, they get a snow day off. And uh, um, yeah, the government's become a very lucrative industry for people to work in with great benefits.
1: And they also know deals that are coming along and can yep. invest yep. in them. That was one of the points of the article. It's kind of like real estate. You know, I had a broker's license and I can, I can, as you know, what you see publicly for sale. Um, is something we didn't want, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah,
0: you
1: yeah. know the big uh, you, that point, right? Everything that I did in real estate really, uh the public never, you know, they they, they weren't there for it. You know what I'm saying? Because I knew yeah. you, and you knew somebody else, and we put the deal together, and we knew a builder, and we knew this and that, and and we developed some, and um, you know that's a whole other story for another day, but. I'm sure Congress works much the same way, you know. Uh,
0: yeah, it does. I mean, there's inside deals all the time. And uh, they've got a bill called the Stop Act, which was a, a, a reintroduction of a bill that passed and got signed into law. Pretty much the same name, the Stop Act, that said it prevented uh, inside trading that they do. and um, But it still goes on. And, um, you know, the <laughs> You have the fox watching the hen house,
1: I guess. <laughs> well, we'll get back in a moment. Yes, uh, somebody just texted in that the control of the Senate comes down to Georgia. My golly. Eh, well, here we are. Uh, talking with Ted Yoho, we're back in a moment where Scott Files going to come back and talk about the weather a little bit with you. We've been talking about the weather all through the show. We're under a pretty windy uh, advisory here. Rain is horizontal rather than vertical, but it's not really hit us in the piney woods of north central Florida yet, although. Ted has got rising water along the river where he is there. Um, St. John's where you are. That's what's coming. we the
0: river and we lack
1: Yeah. You're in black. And so, um, and we've got uh, uh, probably the tail of the storm. Maybe when it gets out in the Gulf, it's going to come back this way uh, for a double whammy. I mean, what a, and we're in a month of November, almost in the middle of November. So uh, let's take a break production and uh, thank our sponsors and our donors. and, Be back with a little update on the weather. We'll be right back. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold Sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On-the-Spot Dry Cleaners, r and Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner
0: everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it may God have mercy on your soul Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased you can't handle the truth all bees poop Warthog he's going to come up the steps here he comes oh my goodness and he's huge hello boy Wonder if we can pet him.
1: Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, thanks. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here, and we're going to give you a little update on the weather uh, thanks to Lewis Oil providing me the opportunity to. I'll uh, tell you about uh, the weather. And thank you, Lewis, Oil, for being a supporter of the show. And thank you to the uh, sponsors and the supporters and the donors. We uh, really appreciate it. Well, what is basically the story right now, my friends, is the erosion of the beaches. And at 9-12, uh, which was, uh, let's see, uh, not, too, not too long ago, uh, Nicole made landfall on the Florida's east coast. And uh, this is what it's been doing. To that coast, of course, uh, the schools are closed and all that business. Uh, classes are canceled, but it's knocked out power already uh, at nine sixteen a.m. to about three hundred twenty thousand homes and businesses. Uh, a large section of the nine hundred foot long Anglin's fishing pier in Lauderdale by the Sea has been washed away. Uh, mm-hmm. It's an iconic landmark, and it's uh, gone. It was privately owned. Um, it's also, uh, as it did in, in uh, flooded St. Augustine. The, bridges, the Bridge of Lions, has closed all traffic other than emergency vehicles. This was at 8.46 a.m. At 8.36 a.m., about half a dozen or so houses, and this is really interesting and tragic, appear to be close to falling into the ocean at Wilbur-by-the-Sea right. in, in Volusia County. Uh, there's a video of that, and there's several homes. I've seen it hanging Ted literally hanging over what was left of the dune. Uh, another showed one home missing entirely, its backside. So a, there are several condos and hotel buildings in Daytona Beach Shores that are left vulnerable uh, by this erosion from Hurricane Ian. And now they're getting pounded by Nicole. So this is a real risk. Think of this and having a major structure go down along Daytona Beach. Uh, at some point, so um, that that is uh, that is something. If you're in that area, uh, govern yourself as they say accordingly. Um, this is uh, got wind gusts of over 70, so it's not the big category uh, that was in, but nevertheless, um, the steady wind coming in on the coast with with a uh, rising water has been having a, a you know its impact. So. And Ted is telling us as we talk that um, he's along the St. John's River. What's it looking like out your window, Ted?
0: <clears throat> it's blowing real hard right now. The rain stopped. Um, it was like it was lightening up. You know, the the sky was clearing up. Uh, the water's still rising, though. I mean, we're right out my back door here. Uh, I'd have to walk through the water to get to my dock, um, and I'm. You know, the anticipation is it's going to rise further and uh, we'll probably flood like we did last time. But, you know, those are the prices you pay for living on the water. You know, you're talking about those condominiums and houses eroding. We see that every hurricane season. The crazy thing is through FEMA, uh, the midi- they would go in and they would help these people rebuild these homes in the same areas. And we fought to get to where we would remediate and help you one time. But if you didn't change where you lived or raised it up, they, they, we weren't, we weren't going to rebuild that through the FEMA program. But we couldn't get people to do that. And there's some homes that got rebuilt four, five, six times at cost to the American taxpayers. That's just crazy without making any changes in uh, the foundation or raising the elevation or moving further away from the, the water. Um, but I think those things are going to happen. They're going to have to happen because there's so much loss in these things on coastal properties like we saw down in South Florida after uh, Ian.
1: Well, I know uh, after the no-name storm, uh, which was quite an event because uh, my wife and I were coming back from skiing and everything was very calm on the west side of the Mississippi River. And we got to the Mississippi River and you couldn't see anything. And we were at about 30,000 feet. And the pilot came on the air and said, well, I can't fly over it. I can't fly around it. So tighten up. We're going to have to fly through it. This was a no name storm. We were the last plane that was allowed to land in in Orlando because of wind shears, um, that, that they shut it down. Um, the plane was like riding on a roller coaster. I mean, it was just up and down, up and down. I mean, violent lurchings and all that. And a friend of mine who's a fisherman and, um, along the uh, home of Sasset Springs, was cooking breakfast and uh, heard his dog whimpering and looked out and saw a solid wall of water pushing picnic tables towards his house. Oh,
0: is that right?
1: Yeah. So he and the dog ran and got in the truck. And by the time he got from his house to the road uh, to turn and go inland, the truck, the water was up to his running board. And he turned, he went towards 27, I think it is down there. And it was an old man who'd lived forever down there, Ted, who didn't uh-huh. believe it, couldn't believe it. He got in his boat, finally, and went two miles for his prop-struck land. Oh,
0: is that right? Yeah. And well, that like was a you, no-name that, storm. I remember that storm. We were in the Keys when that came and had just parked in a marina or docked in a marina. And uh, that storm came in 15 minutes later. And there was a lot of people that got killed in that. But, you know, think about this 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 uh, hurricane or any hurricane or any major catastrophe like this. And people have to evacuate. And you saw the roads backed up yesterday on some of the news channels. And I was telling Carolyn, I says, now, can you imagine if everybody had their electric vehicle <laughs> Some were fully charged? Some were not. And the ones that weren't fully charged are in front of you. And they run out. Of speed. <laughs> the mess that would create. It's just not feasible at this time.
1: I don't know what would happen if you ran out of gas on the interstate, ran out of electricity on the interstate. Who would bring it to you? And how long would it take to charge it up?
0: I mean, I know what would happen the people in the gas vehicles would push that thing out of the way So they get going.
1: <laughs> and even the idea of making trucking reliable, there's nuts. I mean, it's just nuts, but there's a lot of nutty things that the progressive left is doing. And that's what is concerning about the midterms to stay on kind of where we started. Um, Biden said rather uh, proudly. I watched him yesterday. I was getting the an haircut and the shop, at style. Um, that was a by short way, Yeah, our official stylist. I was under getting the, my, my ears set out, as my father used to say, or go get policed up, he'd say, you know. Uh, He always believed in, you know, as short as possible, get policed up. By the time you got policed up, you know, so I was sitting there. We had the television on and um, Biden was just so smug and so proud that he wasn't going to change anything. Uh, The red tsunami didn't happen. And that means that he's hunky dory and uh, everything's fine. And he's going to that kind of makes you crawl under your covers at night to hear that, doesn't it?
0: Well, you know, it does. And I was just thinking about that. If we analyze this election, look at the inflation, uh, the CPI is 7.7, realized one. The one without food and gas is 6.3% inflation. The real one is 7.7. You look at the, the borders and the amount of people coming in, uh, you know, I don't know what the real number is. It's between two and four million have come in in the two years Biden has been in there. You look at our relationships around the world and Saudi Arabia and how he's going to Venezuela and renegotiating with um, with uh, Iran on the nuclear deal. The things that they're doing, um, you look at the the tone in this country that they really they really say that's the Republicans or the MAGA supporters are the ones that are the problem in this country. They're unpatriotic when it's the opposite from my view, from my political beliefs. Um, they have this anti-Christian um, um, slant to them, yet we didn't win in a big red wave. And so I think what we really have to do is reevaluate who we are as Americans and what values do we want to uh, really promote. And, you know, mine haven't changed, is God, country, and family. And I, I think of Ron DeSantis, he, he does that really well. And I think we just need to take the wins we have accept the losses we have, and then move on to the next election and, and do better at it and better messaging and, and get back to the basics. And I think this also goes back to our voting. You know, if you look at how voting should be a very simple process, you go in there, you get a ballot, you check it. It should be in a very short period of time. But when you start making it more complicated with mail-in ballots and drop boxes and you make all these exclusions or excuses, of why you've got to extend it and went from a week, two weeks. And I think sometimes now you can vote four weeks before the election. It complicates it. And when you complicate things, you got to wonder what the ulterior motive is. And the de- left will say it's to gain more access to voting. We want to make sure everybody gets a chance to vote, but I, I don't, I don't think that's true. I think it's, a, it creates more ways to cheat or, um, uh, it's more nefarious ways. I won't say that other word, um, have elections that brings the integrity of them in doubt.
1: You know, and as I was saying a minute ago, we we're off the air here. Gerald uh, Baker really sort of summed it up well. And to see if, you know, the Democrat Party, and this is what really kind of blows me away with this. It stands for uh, uh, attacking the most important constitutional institutions and principles. It goes after states' rights because it wanted to federalize elections, right? Right.
0: Um, they sure did.
1: Yeah. And they go after the separation of powers. Uh, they don't like that. Um, um, they The independence of the judiciary, they want to get in there and tinker with the Supreme Court because it doesn't give them what they want. Uh, they want term limits. on. I've heard all sorts of kooky ideas about the Supreme Court, uh, reconfiguring it and term limits and more of them and this, that, one, another. So they, they have Trample on the independence of the judiciary powers. At the local levels, they've really done it by putting in, as you know, we've seen DeSantis take that on in the state of Florida, of progressive state attorneys who simply decide to take the law into their own hands. Uh, and also, they've really trampled on due process and the enforcement of the rule of law. And, um, uh, and, and they also are subject to, and I think this is something that most people won't talk about uh, racial tyranny uh, they have a a, a, a double standard um, about that if the black lives matter, go to the streets and this that one another why you know with impunity so uh, they they have really all in on that and so how can the world can the American people I know we don't have the answers, but cond- condone that?
0: I don't know. You know, I I still think of Maxine Waters going after Ted Cruz and um, 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 Sarah Huckabee in the restaurants, you know, get in their face, make them leave, you know. Yeah. And and really, it was a call of violence is what it was. And the media doesn't go after her, you know, like they should have. And um, it's like, well, it's okay. They don't want to go after her, whether it's her race or her gender. I don't know what it is, but I think it's more in line with the political message that they want to support, but they'll go after somebody on the other side just as quickly. It's funny, that guy that attacked Pelosi is an illegal immigrant from Canada. You don't hear anything about that, you know? um, that. There again, it goes back to we need to have secure borders. We need to know who's coming in our country and, and get the ones that um, break the law out of here. Um, but again, they don't make that an issue. Uh, that's a minor issue. They want to focus on you know, trying to paint that narrative like they came out in the beginning. And I think Biden himself said, oh, it was a MAGA supporter or, you know, somebody on the alt-right. And, um, you know, th- he's not held accountable for that. Like, how dare you say that make an apology for that? And they never do. It is a double standard. It's a double standard.
1: And furthermore, uh, one other point uh, Baker made, it was pretty good, is that um, Biden thinks he can issue laws by edict and then right. pretend that the Congress okayed him. And nobody seems to call him on it.
0: Well, Congress, that's Congress's fault. Uh, That was something we tried to, we had initiative after initiative, back to Article 1 and Section 8, um, you know, where Congress makes the laws. And then the, the president, Article 2, Section 3, the president is to faithfully execute those laws. We tried to roll that back. And, you know, the Republicans are as bad, too. I had Peter Navarro come to my office and wanted me to give Trump, he wanted me to introduce a bill to give Trump more um, just free willing authority on trade policies. And I told him I couldn't do that. And he got mad at me. And he goes, Why won't you do that? I says, uh, I said, Peter, that's the very thing I came up here to get, you know, there's three branches of government, and they're out of balance. And I'll be damned if I'm going to give any president more authority. I said, I, you know, I think he's done a good job. But if I give it to him, it's going to stay there for the next president. And I will not do that because it's anti- it goes against the Constitution. Oh, he was mad at me. Who, who was he again? Peter Navarro. He was one of the economic advisors for Trump. And he, he's a great guy. He's a smart guy. Yeah. And when he got up to leave my office after about the third visit there, he goes... He goes, well, I hope you can survive on your principles and eat on those. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I believe my principles are going to feed me just well. I, said, hey. I saw him at one of the Trump rallies <laughs> six months later, and he goes, I'm still mad at you. I says, I forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, I tell you, we got to have the separation of powers, like you said. And DeSantis is very strong on that. Um and this would be an opportunity if he becomes president for Congress to say we want to roll these these priorities back or take power away from the executive branch. And we'll see how how sincere he is about constitutional principles. If he signs those into law, we're on the right track.
1: Well, we certainly are going to have a, a further uh, Republican controlled state legislature, are we not? I mean, it's going to yeah. be. Pretty solidly Republican. And this is what kind of we've talked about. Maybe you and I have talked about it. But, you know, the UF faculty and the students complaining about the fellow you knew uh, who became the president of the university. He's there to advocate for for the university. You got a Republican state. Why are you complaining about having a Republican president? You should be thankful that the guy knows people and people know him. because he? And he would have less chance of doing it as a Democrat, antagonistic of a red state.
0: Yeah, I mean, we could have another Bernie Matt- Mattin in there if we wanted that. Um, you know, again, it comes back to. I, I think Americans are spoiled There are people going to the University of Florida students, not all of them, but. You know they have this entitlement. If if it don't if it doesn't go their way, you know they want to cry and sit there and suck their thumbs and go to the crying room and hold a teddy bear or something. Um, you know instead of just say this is reality. Let's I'm here to get an education. Let me get an education and move on and get involved instead of having these tantrums like they do. <clears throat> it's reminiscent of Antifa. Antifa goes out there and raises all kinds of uh, commotion and you know does all that uh, violence that they did. Instead of just dealing with the situation and saying, "All right, we'll we'll just deal with this and move on to the next election," um, and so I think these these kids that are, I saw some of the, I, I read a lot of the articles about SAS and the students and the way they went after the president and the Senate, and it's like you know these kids just need to grow up. Um, it's life, man. You don't always get your way. You know, one of the one of
1: the things that I was involved in back way back because I was the president of the Senate at Santa Fe. Right. I worked with Senator Graham on Amendment 11, and one of the things that happened is we got the president of the student body at Florida on the board of trustees. That There is a, there's a representative on there from the student right. body. Now, that, I tell you, that was really difficult to do. I mean, but we did it because, okay, students, if you're going to complain you don't have a voice, we're going to give you a voice. We're going to give you the president of your group who sits there at the table with the other trustees. I don't know if it was a voting member, but it's certainly there at the table and gets it called on and all that. You know how that works. Right. I'll be darned if they don't turn on that, pre- that representative right now who's on that board and want to remove her. It's a young lady. I don't know her personally. Want to remove her because she didn't stop the acceptance of, of the new president. Right. I mean, how crazy can it get? I mean, first of all, they should be mindful that they've got a representative there. And I was behind the scenes. I was one of the ones who worked on that. Um, and, you know, there it is. I mean, nobody came and asked me how that student came to be there. And that's another thing that kind of bugs me, Ted. There's no, there's no seeking out of the elders in the community who, you know what I'm saying, Some of us old guys been around for a while and we know how things got done, but they're always reinventing the wheel. I mean, they don't research the issue, you know?
0: No, you know, and I think that goes back to, you know, these kids that are here now that what they're 18 to 20 years of age for the most part, you know, so you go back to the parents that had them that long ago and they're the generation that grew up with everybody gets a trophy and, uh, you know, you can't, it's not life, it's not reality. And they need to teach them critical thinking and how to deal with conflict. And uh, uh, that's one of the things I hear when I talk to educators and other people, people don't know critical thinking in the job market when they come out of college, and they can't deal with conflicts. They think there's always a cause. And it's somebody else's fault. Instead of saying, that's just people, we have to learn how to deal with those situations. That you know, we kind of grew up with. And I think social media is a big, big contributor of that confusion in people.
1: You know, when we first started Santa Fe, of course, uh, President Fordyce was the president then, and that was his vision. And um, I don't, not many people know this, but the debate team, okay, if you wanted to be on the debate team at the college, you got an athletic scholarship. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. You got an athletic scholarship (laughs) because you are competing with your mind. What's the difference between that and competing with your body? Right. That was our reasoning. So we awarded athletic scholarships to people on our debate team. I was a debate judge in the state debate contest. Um, Yeah. And, you know, they were held at the university of Florida and Santa Fe as a college as a what well, went from junior college to community college to now college it was a community college at that point I think two year institution beat the tar out of a lot of four year institutions, man because our we gave these guys a full ride, you know uh, you come in here and compete with your mind, and you guys you know you'll be an asset to this institution, so
0: you know, and that's a good thing I mean people ought to be rewarded for um for their merit, what they do, not what how long they've waited in line or, you know, the color of your skin or, you know, any of that stuff or your gender or your made up gender. You ought to it ought to be on merit, you know, advance the people that are the brightest and the sharpest and what they do, regardless of all that other stuff. And that brings me up to that governor that won the um, race in Maryland. I believe it was the first openly gay governor that has won a governorship. And she was up there. And the accolades should be on she won the governorship. Anybody, it's, you know, anybody that wins an election fair and square, you ought to praise them. But she made it about being gay and saying, don't let anybody tell you you can't do something like this, um, regardless of who you are. And I took that as, well, if I'm a straight person, then does that mean I can't do this or is that an attack against me? And I know that's a dicey subject that you'll probably get a lot of complaints about, but it's, let's focus on the win that she did. And yes, we're happy that she, whatever her lifestyle is, if it works for her, that's fantastic. But that's not why I voted for her. I voted for her because I thought she was the best person and that's, should be where the emphasis is on.
1: Yes. That's certainly something that um, you, 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 you like to see a little bit less of, but um, that, that, um, you know, that rings them. Um, it plays an emotional string in the voter reactions. And that's obviously why it's there. It immediately rings that bell for that group of people. And that becomes a voting block. And it's unfortunate that um, it works that way, but um, the real critical thinking skills and ability to debate, you know, you know the thing that I enjoyed watching the most, and we'll close out with this, I thought was most challenging. We gave a, a, a um, debater, a, a brown bag a brown bag In that brown bag were five unrelated pieces you know there might be a candy bar wrapper and there might be you know we just put all these things there and had no association with each other and the the the, the person had 30 seconds to look in that bag okay and then had to develop an extemporaneous speech using what was in that bag in a narrative that had logic to it wow and I'm going to tell you something, my man. It's a lot like doing this show. It's a, every day I get up, I'm looking in a brown bag, brother. I don't know what happened overnight. I don't know where it's going, but I've got to string this together in a continuous narrative that flows, you know?
0: i just that, happy it wasn't a, a brown bag like we used to do as kids and light them on fire at somebody's door and ring the doorbell. No, it
1: wasn't that kind of brown bag. It wasn't real. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you would. You probably held a record of a notch of in your, your high school. I did.
0: <laughs> I had older <laughs> brothers, so I was just an innocent victim. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Or accomplice.
1: Yeah, right, right. Man, I enjoyed seeing you. I hope to see you next Wednesday as usual. All hope right, you. man. And, uh, hope, and uh, thanks a lot. for uh, and Keep your eye on the water and keep your eye on the storm, my friends. And I think everything will be fine in a little bit. So uh, have right. a great day. Warthog Command Center out.